welcome to Side Talks, the official podcast for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. My name's Corey Kraft. I am a features programmer for Sidewalk. And I am Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things cinema. And we are both very tired. Oh, yeah. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Corey, what are you watching right now? So, uh, a few weeks ago, I went to the multiplex to see Jon Favreau's big remake of The Lion King. Um, This is, it's touted as a live action remake to go along with all of Disney's other recent live action remakes like Dumbo, which I mentioned in a, a few episodes ago. This is not live action. There are no actual things in this movie. It's entirely computer generated with attempts to make photorealistic animals as if you're watching an episode of Planet Earth or something going through the plot of The Lion King. Um, Here's the thing about lions. Um, When you're watching footage of lions, they they, they walk around and that's about all they do. And they have the same blank expressions Mm -hmm. on their faces. I heard they're assholes too. Lions don't emote is what I'm saying. Right, I got you. So when a lion is called upon... Uh, to deliver dialogue or, or you know, <laughs> tell a narrative of any sort, um, despite the fact that these are not real, uh, the decision was made to basically c- keep these lions as photorealistic as possible. So there is a fundamental disconnect with this movie. It's as if you're watching <laughs> a nature documentary and the soundtrack like the audio track to the Lion King is playing on top of it, and it just kind of happens to coincide like with what you're watching. Yeah, but that's not just really. the sound of John Favreau breathing. Yeah, so it's not a good movie. It's an interesting experience from a technical standpoint because obviously the special effects required to bring this to life are pretty impressive. But that disconnect is impossible to get over. And the voice performances range from pretty good. You know, uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are Timon and Pumbaa, and they're fun, to outright terrible. Wow. Um, Beyonce is terrible in this movie. You're about to get your ass whooped. Look. I think this is a good time to pause and ask Boutwell when they edit this to put a lion roar right here, just to give people a minute to breathe. Look, I mean, come at me, because y'all know she's, she's... Queen Bee, whatever, but she can't act, and she didn't have to act. Why is she doing it? Like, just make music that everybody loves. Just do that. Don't act. Oh, I'm so happy that I'm right now no longer the least favorite. I'll be the least favorite. You know it's true. Look into your heart. Besides, she has eight (laughs) lines of dialogue in this movie as adult Nala, and she's just basically like, Simba, you've changed. Come back where you belong. Was I'm she a not lion. getting paid enough? They didn't pay her enough? They paid they gave they backed a truck full of money up to her right. house. That's I not mean, enough, Corey. So anyway, um it's by the time this episode comes out, probably the highest grossing movie ever made. <laughs> um so Which clearly, means something about its value. Yeah, but so I was sitting at um the little bar area at the theater in Vestavia waiting for a movie to start last night, and a crowd of people came out of The Lion King. Um, and you know, I had heard things like, well, it wasn't bad, but, (laughs) and when you say it wasn't bad, but what you mean is it was bad. I just don't know how to explain why I think that. Right. Sure. Um, 
Sure. And it's it's just it's a weird experience. It's hmm. a weird experience that is worth experiencing once, especially if you see it big and loud and in 3D, which is kind of cool. But it's not The Lion King. If you like that, watch the original. That's what it's there for. That's your take on almost every remake, though. I will say that. I'm yeah. not saying this isn't a bad film. I'm oh. just simply saying that you're kind of like, you know, just go back and watch the original. You have to do something really interesting with the material to justify a remake. If it's line for line and almost shot for shot like mm-hmm. this is, it just begs the question, you know, why? Sure. Other than, you know, because we got your money, you stupid dumbass. Like, right. That's why. And sure. Okay. I guess that's a reason. Because they did. Well, they Joke's did. They me. did. They got a lot of people's money. They got the, you know, they have to fill that truck that backs up to Beyonce's house. Gotta so, get that lion money. For those eight lines. Um, well, what I've been watching is very different. Actually, we've both been watching a lot of stuff. I have not really made much of a trip to the multiplex. I did to see one film that I think you might talk about later, so I'll just leave it out of here. Okay. But um, I will say that probably uh, what I would like to talk about is a documentary I've seen. It's not in a lineup. But was considered for lineup, but just came in a little too late. It's not that it wasn't worthy. Um, and I tried to book it for the cinema. And that is a, um, a the Linda Ronstadt do- uh, documentary, yeah. which I believe is called Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? I think that's right. And it is very good. Um, granted, I really like Linda Ronstadt a lot. Uh, I find her, you know, I, I do think they spend a good bit of time sort of talking about how she is a cover artist, but one that is transformative and really takes music and makes it her own. And yeah. I, I got to hear musicians talk about that process in a way that I thought was really interesting because I am not a musician. Um, surprise. I know y'all have heard me sing the what's this shit. And you're like, <laughs> wait, what do you mean you're not a musician? But I'm not. Um, and so it was really interesting to hear musicians talk about sort of that process of like, what is a cover and what is transformative? Um, and I appreciated that a lot. And then she talks a lot about the sort of what it means to her to sing um, and her her roots and why she went to into doing mariachi music. And all that is really intriguing and fun. And the archival footage of her like performing in a Cub Scouts uniform and all that is lovely. Um, Dolly Parton is interviewed, which I love, too, and, and says like typical Dolly stuff like, you know, Linda always wanted me to hit these notes. I'm doing a Dolly voice right now. She always wanted me to hit these notes and I can. I'm like, I just open my mouth and sing. But boy, it sure does sound good. <laughs> and I can listen to Dolly talk like that for, you know, 90 minutes Um, but she's in there and it's just a lovely look at at, um, a performer and her life and what it means to sort of lose that thing that you do Um, and she talks again about sort of Singing with Dolly Parton and the sort of experience of when you sing with somebody, um, and of course your your wife is a singer, so I'm sure you know more about this than than I do. But um, when you sing with someone and you're harmonizing, and um, you you sort of you can live through their voice, mm. and I've never heard anybody talk like that about singing, and so that was a real treat. And so yeah. I, I highly recommend this documentary. I'd love to see it. We should book it at the cinema. I agree. Yeah. And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. Today I'm going to talk about Giant. It was released in 1956, starring Rock Hudson, Elizabeth Taylor, and James Dean, and promoted as the most important event in a decade of entertainment. Giant was adapted from Edna Ferber's 1952 bestseller, which is the epic story of a Texas cattle rancher and his family. The book was critical of Texas culture, so much so that a Houston columnist called for Ferber's public hanging. Director George Stevens joked that he might have to shoot the movie with a telephoto lens from Oklahoma. Two of the main characters were based on real people. Rock Hudson's character was inspired by Robert Kleberg, 
whose family had owned the largest cattle ranch in Texas for generations. His rival, played by James Dean, was based on the rags-to-riches story of Glenn McCarthy, who struck oil to become a millionaire overnight. In the movie, the characters clash over opposing ideologies, which was also mirrored off-screen between Hudson and Dean. Rock Hudson was a product of the Hollywood studio system, which valued being on time, hitting your marks, and getting the work done. James Dean was a student of the new method acting technique and would keep the cast and crew waiting for hours while he got into the right emotional headspace. Once, as part of his process, he urinated publicly in front of the entire production. Ultimately, both Hudson and Dean would be nominated for a Best Actor Oscar, but of the film's ten nominations, only its director George Stevens would win. The location shots were filmed in Marfa, Texas, which was and still is a very small town in the middle of nowhere. To build goodwill, the director would open up the set for anyone to watch, and people came from everywhere. When he would yell, cut, fans would surge into the scene to get pictures, autographs, and shoot home movies. While in Marfa, the cast were given cars for personal use, but James Dean had his taken away by the producers. They were afraid that his love for driving fast would cause him to be injured before the picture wrapped, and a week after Dean shot his final scenes for Giant, he was killed in a car accident. At the film's premiere, many fans turned up thinking that Dean's death had been a publicity stunt and that he would make an appearance. When he didn't, a near riot broke out, in which Rock Hudson's shirt was ripped and Elizabeth Taylor lost her $10,000 earrings. Other cast members were pushed to the ground, and one ended up in the hospital. Released more than 60 years ago, Giant addressed issues that were rare for movies of its time, yet are still relevant today, such as the depiction of racism towards Mexican-Americans and the oppression of women. The movie was well-received by the public, even in Texas, and would be the highest-grossing film in Warner Brothers history until the release of The Exorcist in 1973. As it turns out, actress Mercedes McCambridge had roles in both movies. In Giant, she played Rock Hudson's tough-talking sister, and in The Exorcist, she was the voice of Pazuzu, the demon. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. Corey. Guess what it's time for? I think it's time for a five-minute fight. Five-minute fight! All right, I'm going to get my knuckles ready or whatever people say. I'm taking advantage of you today because you're tired. We're all tired. I'm tired too, but you're tired, and this is one that you would normally be very aggressive about, so I am, you know... It might get pretty heated in here. I think the timing's right for me. Sure. Uh, Have you started the clock? We good? Started. Good. Go. Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, a very, very good actor. You disagree. Yes, I do. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) Other than the fact that you're just self-evidently wrong and his performances are enough uh, evidence. I already know I'm going to lose. I get it. I get it. Everybody loves him. I mentioned we mentioned this in the office and everybody attacked me like I was just the most evilest thing ever. Let's get this first part out of the way. The guy as a human being is a douchebag. He ran around earmuffs and a thing called the pussy posse and is like sexually harassed women left and right, including Elizabeth Berkeley. Like who does that? So the guy's an asshole with his little po- his little pussy posse running around. So that's just out of the way. So nobody needs to attack me because we do not need to defend this man. He's a jackalope. That's just for starters. But also, he's the same character in every single film that he is in. Now, I, again, I know I'm going to lose it. I know people are pissed. I know they're like, what the heck do you know? But he sucks. 
I feel like I could just sit here in complete silence for four <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds and I would still win. What if I have said this before and I'll say it again. If you hold up performance in something like Wolf of Wall Street and you put it next to something like, oh, I don't know, his performance in any number of other films, it's the same performance. I, 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 stupid, I, down to that stupid little dance. Totally disagree. I think that he has given all manners of performances in in a lot of great movies. Uh, Revolutionary Road, Titanic, Catch Me If You Can, it's all the same character. No, it's not. Basically. No, it's not. Tiny little tweaks. At that pay grade, it should be good. It should be flawless, and it's not. You seem to have, and maybe I'm generalizing, but an issue with actors who coast on the one thing that they do well. Tom Hanks. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I do DiCaprio. have a problem with that. At that pay grade, why am I not looking at, at actual performances? Why am I seeing the actor and the character over and over and over again without any nuance, without any interesting, with the same, like, even that same little slimy little dance that he does I, comes into into multiple films. I don't he understand how you grade. don't find nuance, though, in so many of these performances, The Wolf of Wall Street among them. Hmm. I wonder why I don't, because it's not there. Yep. I will put uh, that just... performance up next to 10 other performances. And it's like, which, I mean, you have the crazy ass IMDb brain. And so I know that you're going to be able to pick out the difference because you'll be like, well, his eye shadow in that particular scene, <laughs> you would be able to get down to like the penny with him. But I am just saying that the average person could be like, ooh, I actually don't know what Leo does. Maybe it's the one from The Great Gatsby because he's wearing a suit. Oh, wait, no, it could be him as, as Howard Hughes in The Aviator. I can't tell the difference. And you know what? They were like, who can we get to play Howard Hughes? I don't know. But. You know who plays a great Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, I do. Leonardo DiCaprio. He is not Howard Hughes in The Aviator. He's not. I I think that's one of his, if not his best performances. He's just gliding, as you mentioned. He's gliding in there it's as Leo. It's appropriate for The Aviator. He, he doesn't. Why is it appropriate? He's playing a person who actually lives. I was just pointing out the pun of the gliding. <laughs> Oh, man. We I, are I really, tired. Uh, yeah, that's, we're so tired. We are really uh, tired. Because really the only argument is like, no, he's he's actually good, and I could point to so many movies that he's anchored with his sort of movie star presence, Christopher Nolan's Inception, Scorsese's mm. Shutter Island, which eh. might actually be his best performance. I love that movie. Um, Gilbert Grape is his best performance. Uh, no, he peaked uh, and he ended right there, and everything else just became Leo. Really, they it did. And I get people are like, he's sexy, fine, hot. And he hasn't aged. Okay, great. Leo's sexy, fine, hot, and hasn't aged. He can afford all the Botox in the world. He can afford the best moisturizer in the world. He can afford the best girlfriends in the world that are all in their 20s. Wonderful. We love Leo. Don't touch Leo. But he's an asshole. And he's not good at what he does. Divorcing the fact that he may or may not be an asshole from his on-screen performances, though, I think every single one of his on-screen performances is solid to good. Many of them are great. Hmm. I disagree. I think that he has some good performances. He has some great performances. They tend to be from earlier in his career. Again, he plays a, you know, he's really good in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, except that now that people are woke, we can't do that anymore. That was inappropriate. So I think that gets erased, you know, but point being that that I think is where he was at his best. Everything else feels the same. Do you think that Titanic would have worked at all without a sort oh, yes. of movie star performance of his caliber? In that Any movie? movie star put it in there. And actually, I think Titanic is a great place for leo put him in there because that movie is worthless what and (laughs) 
here I go making everybody mad. Uh, that 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 is perfect for him. I mean, that I'm not going to get angry about Titanic it's, hate because it's not 1997. Right. But can I just add one more thing? I read an article once where some it was one of these like gossipy articles where people were talking about celebrities they'd slept with and somebody called Leonardo DiCaprio a wormy lover and hence since I read that I was like oh my god I can totally see that and stop. since then he is the great American worm stop he's letting, the great American worm stop letting the Jezebel comment <laughs> section influence Why? your, your opinions on he's movies at. he's you know what perfect example he is at the Jezebel comment section in the world no asshole. no 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 Sam. Okay, I like how Rachel started out with just the blah noise when Corey mentioned his name. Um, uh, and but Corey absolutely could have just sat there silently and won. Rachel was just digging herself into a hole. Um, and Rachel, like they said, has a problem with actors who do the same thing each time, which is totally understandable, and I think I do too. But Leo is just not one. He for sure has more nuances than Tom Hanks or Clint Eastwood. Um. And so for Corey's gliding pun with the aviator, that's like plus five billion points. Just shut it up, shut it down right there. Um, and Rachel, let's say minus like 5,000 for even trying to take down America's second sweetheart, Leonardo DiCaprio, first being Tom Hanks, obviously. Um, and is, I mean, is he an asshole? Yeah, sure. But the argument is whether he's a good actor and whether his movies are good. And the answer is for sure, yes. So there you go. And now, fast film terms. Fast film terms. Wow, that was very, that was very fast. Fast film terms. That was also fast. Got one for you. Okay. Um, what is above the line? Do you know? Yeah, above the line refers to the principal uh, creatives on a film set, um, actors, directors, producers, cinematographer. Yeah, and the lead actors, not the extras, not the, right? Yeah, not the supporting actors or even like the day players. And so if you contribute to the creative of a, of a film, then you are considered above the line. And it literally comes from back in the day when they would draw a line and maybe, you know, some folks still do this, a line across the budget. Um, and, you know, those sort of those expenses that, uh, that, that contributed to the creative process uh, were above the line in the budget. So below the line refers to um, gaffers and uh, production assistants and extras in the film yeah. folks who while they're very important it's not a it's an, it is not intended to be an insult but while you're very important you know you're replaceable skilled technicians um, but i've got another one for you yep what's a call sheet uh, a call sheet is a sheet that like a sheet of paper that lists all of the performers who need to be on set on any given day. That's right. Like where and it's the where and when. And yeah. it's a quick reference point of like, oh, I'm an actor on this film and I need to be here at uh, at Taco Bell at 6 p.m. for the start time. Yep, that's what it is. Of course, you can send those now virtually through the electronic mail. Interesting. What's this shit? Here we are. All right. It is that time. What's a shit? I know you're going to get this one. Okay. I knew it almost immediately. And I'm actually shocked that I have not, that I don't know this one. And I think people are going to be like, eh, yeah, it's because I don't know it. Okay. So as you know, I'm in the cardio cinema. I'm on the tread. I'm watching the screen. And there is Ben Stiller. Uh-huh. And so you're going to try to guess what film this is. Ben Stiller, that could be a lot of films. That could be. That's a long IMDb page. 
But he's in there and he's in a park and there's this sort of skateboarding thing happening. Jump mm-hmm. in whenever you know this. It okay. looks like maybe Kristen Wiig is, but she looks different because she's. Oh, I'm, I know what this is. I'm like a blind person when it comes to when people change their hair. I'm like, oh, it could be somebody I'm dating. And I'm like, hey, who are you? And they're like, just colored my hair. That's all. So um, Kristen Wiig is, I think, with dark hair, yeah. which I'm not, I mean, in, in a way that I'm not used to seeing. So you already know this. There's a weird, uh, the part I'm in for is like this weird Benjamin Button moment that's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like too gross to be funny. I thought, I found it to be too, too gross to be funny. So what film is this? This is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the the remake that he made a few years back. He stars in it and directed it. And is it good? No. Yeah. It's nice looking. It's got moments, but no, no. Okay. It's kind of a weird Benjamin Button kind of weird gross thing throughout hmm interesting like it was kind of funny I, I laughed a little bit and then I thought boy this is just so disgusting to me that I don't like something about it just really struck me which kind of describes Ben Stiller really for I, me I generally like him um I do too but I'm also kind of grossed out by him for that, some reason that movie that movie is is an odd one yeah yeah well there it is you knew what's this shit Thank you so much for listening to side talks i feel like i need to sing that i yeah. know nobody else feels that way but anyway You're just musical in ways that i'm not i know it's so true anyway we're your own personal leonardo and toby mcguire wow <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to say other stuff now. i i know um i was just kind of taken by that um who's leo out, uh, who's the great american worm not it. So I'm Toby. Okay, Go sure, ahead. Sure. I'll take that. Um, check us out on social media if you, you care to. Uh, if you dare. Uh, at Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all manners of other social media. Side Talks, of course, could use your help. Uh, spread the news about us. Uh, we'd like to grow our listenership from a listenership of dozens to... Um, a listenership of a few more dozen millions and millions yeah we need to take the podcasting world by storm uh so if you don't mind uh go on itunes or wherever you listen to this and give us a, a review maybe a rating um tell everybody how uh, entertaining we are or something we pay for those reviews now we do not pay <laughs> much we are very very broke if Is you haven't ethical? noticed but it's not we are, we are <laughs> not that is that is not our Ethics are not really our world. Fair we enough. will give you money. We have very little money to give, but I will give you like a silver dollar and a hug. Um, also, you know what? Support Boutwell Studios. They are wonderful. They make yeah. us sound really good. Well, I mean, as good as we can be made I to mean, sound. I mean, especially at a day where we just kind of shambled in. <laughs> right. and we're just like, where is it? Nap time? What's going right. on? It's like, no, um, there's, a, there's a microphone. Go in front of that. I'm living on a diet of pizza and coffee, and it's gross. <laughs> so they look at they look at us through this glass and have to tolerate that. So Batwall Studios is wonderful for that reason, and of course Splash ninety six, who does our music, we love um, we love them as well. Yes, um, great great theme song. So thanks very much for that. Thank you for listening. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>